to the great detectives of old time radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Uh, and I want to wish all of our listeners in the United States who are downloading this on the day of release a happy Thanksgiving. I also want to encourage you to check out my wife's business, Ashira Clips. That's L at uh, lilarose.biz slash Ashira. That's L-I-L-L-A-Rose dot biz, B-I-Z slash Ashira, A-S-H-I-R-A. And uh, she offers a wide variety of different hair clips, hairpins, and headbands suit a wide variety of different tastes. Plus, they come in different sizes to fit different hair types. They make great stocking stuffers, and you can check them out. Go to lilarose.biz slash Ashira. Well, now let's get into today's episode of Philo Man. The original air date on this one is December the 5th, 1946, and the title is The Backstage Murder Case. Miss Deering, do you think you might stop typing for a moment and listen to me? I could try. Thank you. You see, Vance, you never know the things you can do until you try. What am I to listen to? At the moment, a bit of thinking aloud. Markham phoned and asked me to wait for him in my office. Right. Why? I don't know. It can't be a murder case or the eminent district attorney would have asked you to meet him at the scene of the crime. Say, who's doing this thinking aloud, you or me? Both of us. Markham said he was going to bring someone with him. Now, who could that be and why? Well, it could be anyone and for almost any reason. Ellen. I know. Go back to my typing. I'd like to make a wager with you. I'll bet I come closer to guessing the purpose of the district attorney's visit than you will. Vance, if I bet against your guessing or your reasoning, you'd have the only full-time secretary with no pay on record. (laughs) Oh, there you two. Oh, hello, Mr. Markham. Come in, darling. Welcome, Markham. And an extra special welcome to your lovely companion. Miss Jane L., may I present Philo Vance and Ellen Deering? How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? Uh, Come into my private office, Markham. Thanks, we will. Come along, Miss Jane L. Go right in, Miss Jane L. Thank you. Markham. Thanks. Oh, Miss Deering. Yes, Mr. Vance. You should have made that wager. I've never been further off base in my life. Now he tells me. (laughs) Well, I'm delighted to see you, Markham. And I hope I know why you're here. I'm not sure myself whether I should have come, Vance. This isn't exactly in your line. I'm a private investigator. What's the trouble? Isn't this private? Yes, it most certainly is. Vance, Doris Jane Nell is the star of the play at the King's Theatre. Let me tell him, Mr. Markham, please. By all means. Mr. Vance, I received this note this afternoon. It worried me. I brought it to the district attorney's office because I thought that was the thing to do. Here it is. Will you read it, please? You read it to me, Miss Dinell. What does it say besides threatening you with death? But but you haven't seen it yet. How did you know? You're upset, Miss Dennell. Nothing else would account for it. 
What else does it say? It says, if you play your role in the theater tomorrow night, you will be dead before morning. And that's all, Mr. Vance. That's enough, I'd say. So the note threatens you if you go on tomorrow night, not tonight. Hmm. It might be the work of a crank, but I don't think we can afford to take that chance. I can't, I'll tell you that. Do something for me, Miss Dinell. If you receive any further communication, please mention it to no one. Now, that's important. I imagine you are not going on tomorrow night. Mighty good imagining, Mr. Vance. I definitely am not. I don't mind taking chances, but when I do, I just assume it cost me money if I lose. Not my life. Sure, come on. You wanted to see me. Badly. Betty, how long have you been my understudy? About three months, I'd say. And you've never had a chance to go on? No. Well, you've got one now. Here, throw this towel in the laundry bag, the one hanging on the door. Catch. Is this your laundry bag? It isn't anything Santa Claus is waiting to pick up. Just the laundry man. And he won't be here for two days. Well... What about tomorrow night? Do you want to go on for me? Do I? Playing the lead on Broadway opposite Jack Aldridge. Oh, I can hardly believe it. But may I ask one favor? Sure, kid. What? May I use your room? Why not? I've never used a star's dressing room. The joint's yours for tomorrow night. Take it with all the trimmings. Yes? Hiya, decent, Doris. Sure. Come on in, Peters. As if there was a way of keeping a company manager out of the dressing room. Hi, Doris. Hello, Betty. What's going on here? Convention? Hello, Mr. Peters. Have you heard I'm going on to Miss Daynell tomorrow night? Huh? What's the matter, Doris? Don't you feel good? I feel fine, but I'd like to stay that way. I got a note threatening my life if I work tomorrow night. What? Maybe it's a gag, but I'm not taking any chances. Just one performance? That's all the note said. Peters? Betty, here is your star for one night. Well, this show is getting jinxed. I'm sure of it. First it's robbery, now it's this threat. What's this robbery routine? Somebody steal a bow? Stealing a bow? Somebody stole the receipts from the office two nights ago. Over $4,000. And the cops are going crazy because they can't find any evidence of anybody breaking in. Inside job, huh? That's the way it looks. But that doesn't help this threat business any. Doris, you wouldn't... Uh Uh-uh. No, I wouldn't. That's what I thought. Mr. Peters, are you in there? That sounds like our director. Yeah, come on in, Hartley. Good evening, Mr. Mayo. Miss Wheeler. Good evening, Mr. Hartley. Peters, they told me you were in here. That was very nice of them. And you found my dressing room without trouble. Well, the director of our show has a sense of direction. Hey. I'm starting to feel better already. Miss Daynell, can't we go somewhere and talk? There are so many things I want to ask you. Well, there's one thing I want to tell you. Don't get used to the way Jack Aldridge makes love to you on stage. He's mine. On stage, and what's more important, off. Oh, of course, Miss Daynell. I know that. Well, what are you standing there like that for, Hartley? You're supposed to have come in here to see me. What about? I did not want to interrupt the young ladies. I find their conversation very interesting. I'll have a record of it made for you. 
Now, what do you want with me? Please come outside, Peters, so we can talk. Tell me in here. I think it would be better for you if you came outside. Okay, come on, I'm ready. Well, Hartley, what is it? It's on your mind. Money, Peters. I need some money. Ten till payday? <laughs> Let's not fool, Peters. I don't want any of that vaudeville money. I need dough. A thousand, maybe fifteen hundred. Who doesn't? <laughs> you are going to give it to me. Am I? How do you know? It isn't how I know, it's what I know. Shall I go into details? Jack, you know, I think I'm being a sap for believing that that threatening note I got was on the level. Maybe you're right, Doris. I just don't know. Nothing happened at tonight's performance. It wasn't supposed to be tonight that anything happened. I worked a little with Betty Wheeler, and tomorrow night, maybe the understudy gets her big chance. Told her she could, but now I'm not so sure. I'll miss you, honey, if you don't make it. You might miss me permanently if I work tomorrow night. But I'm not sure yet that I won't go on. Something tells me maybe I ought to. Well, here's my apartment. You've got to make the long walk to the next one all by yourself. Think you can make it? I can make it this once. You're not nervous? No, not a bit. If anybody bites me, I'll scream for you and you can come and bite them back, okay? Sure is. Two more weeks and no more good nights, right? Right. Just two weeks till the wedding. Night, darling. Oh, you want an extra good morning kiss for the one we missed tonight? Well, I'm kind of going to want you to pay that little debt, honey. Good night. What's the matter with his lock? Oh, it's not the lock, it's me. There. I'm so tired. Oh. Who can that be at this hour? Hello? Miss Danell, you got my note? Yes. Who is this? Never mind. You're going to be a smart girl and not go on tomorrow night, ain't you, Miss Danell? I, I... I don't know. You better know. You better know for sure, too. And Connor, I wasn't kidding, sister. I meant it. You walk on stage tomorrow night, and you'll be carried out of your apartment the next day. time, 20 minutes, on stage in 20 minutes. That's what we did for your understudy, Doris, called a special rehearsal. Where is Betty, Peters? Uh, in your dressing room. Oh. She said she had an okay from you to use it. That she did. Is Jack around? I don't know. I haven't seen him. Well, here's my room. I saw Betty come in about a half hour ago. Wait, I'll knock. Hey, she couldn't have gone out, or I'd have seen her. Betty! Betty! Miss Wheeler! Hey, Wheeler, open up! Peters, I never locked that door in my life. Something's wrong here, Doris. Hey, somebody, Miller, Hartley, come on over here. Something's the matter in Doris's dressing room. 
Doris. Well, it, it isn't me, Jack. It's Betty Wheeler. She was using my room. Oh, thank goodness. What's going on, Peters? I don't know. Wait a minute. I got a key to this dressing room. Well, Betty took mine yesterday. Miss Wheeler is in there. I saw her go in. Thanks, Hartley. You're a big help. Yeah, here's the key. Jack. Jack, darling, stay close to me. I think I'm getting scared. Come on. Betty. Good Lord. Let me see. Get back, everybody. Everybody keep away from this room until the police get here. Betty Wheeler has been murdered. This is her dressing room, Vance. Nothing has been touched, but the body has been removed. So this is it, eh, Markham? No possible lead on the killer? Nothing Sergeant Heath could find, Vance. You know about the robbery here a few nights ago? When the night's receipts were taken? Yes. I know about it. Heath believes that was an inside job, doesn't he? From what I understand, it had to be. No one broke in and the receipts were missing, over $4,000. That kind of money will be hard to trace. All small denomination bills. It would also make a pretty sizable package. I don't suppose that matters. What does matter most now is this murder. Vance, do you think there's a connection between the murder and the robbery? Possibly. Let me see. Doris Denell received a note threatening her if she went on stage for tonight's performance. And then her understudy, Betty Wheeler, was murdered in Miss Denell's dressing room. What's that? Sounds like a fire warning. Fire! Everybody get out! There's a fire in the theater! Everybody, Markham, includes us, I suppose. Doesn't anything ever upset you or your routine, Vance? Certainly. I was about to leave, wasn't I? Neither of you gentlemen need leave. There is no fire. I beg your pardon? I'm Oscar Hartley, Mr. Vance. There is no fire. Well, that's an absurd complication. Fire alarm, but no fire. Thank you very much, Mr. Hartley. Oh, uh, apparently you know Mr. Vance. I'm Markham, district attorney. Oh, uh, how do you do? Somebody set off the fire alarm, but there's no fire. Vance, what's going on here? I haven't the slightest idea. Let's lock this dressing room, Markham. No one's been in here since the murder. No, it's under guard until the police are able to go through it properly. But are we leaving, Vance? Yes. We're of the theater now, Markham. And tradition, it seems, insists that the show must go on. Well, so must we. This is District Attorney Markham. The backstage murder case began when Doris Daynell, stage star, received a note threatening her life if she played her role the following night. The threat came after the theater office had been robbed of $4,000 in small bills. Vance appeared at the theater after Betty Wheeler, Miss Daynell's understudy, had been murdered and met Peters, company manager, and Oscar Hartley, director of the show. He has yet to meet Jack Aldridge, Miss Daynell's fiancé and leading man. I have just had a report that Peters, the company manager, is in his office with Doris Daynell. It's just about the time... Look, I don't want to hear any more about it, Doris. You're going on tonight. You've got to. I can't, Peters. I, I just can't. You can't? Why? Because of what happened to Betty? Not only that. I, I can't tell you why. Mr. Vance told me not to. What is all this? What's going on here? 
Oh, all right, I'll tell you. I got a phone call last night. It warned me not to go on. Mr. Vance told me if I received another threat, I was to mention it to no one, and I haven't till now. You told nobody? Nobody but you, Pete. It's not even Jack. Doris, you've got to go on. I'll fill backstage with policemen if necessary, but you've got to go on. Oh. I can't refund the money for tonight's performance, and I'll have to if you don't work. We're in a financial jam as it is. What with that money being stolen? I know, and I'm sorry, but I Doris, simply... I know how you feel, and I'm sorry, too. But please, do this for me, for yourself, for the rest of the company. You've got to do it. Hey, D.A., maybe I ought to take this murder room apart, piece by piece. Maybe then I'd get a clue to who killed that Betty Wheeler. Well, if you think that'll help, go ahead, Sergeant Heath. Maybe uh... that won't be necessary, Heath. Hello, Markham. Oh, hello, Vance. Heath and I were just sitting here in the dressing room trying to reason out this Wheeler murder. That's not a bad way of solving a murder, Markham. Heath, what's the status of this room? What's been done to it since the murder? Nothing yet. Fingerprint men went over it, found nothing. I'm thinking of taking it apart. Not a bad idea. What's this on the back of the door? You mean the laundry bag? No, I mean this tacked-up notice. Don't forget to turn out lights. Laundry will be picked up every Friday. That's tomorrow. Please leave key with Dorman. Well, there's certainly nothing unusual about that. It's on every theater door in the country. You know, Vance, I was thinking, the murder of this Wheeler girl had something to do with a robbery in this theater. I think it's the other way around, but I agree. Uh, you know something, Vance? If I could just find out who stole those receipts or where the money is, I'd be on the right track. I'm sure of that. Oh, I know where the money is. Uh, what? You do, Vance? And who stole it? I don't know who stole it or who murdered Miss Wheeler. But I repeat, I do know where the money is. Well, where is the dough, Vance? Right there in that laundry bag. But you can't know that, Vance. You were only in this room once before, and then only for a few minutes, and I was with you all the time. I didn't see you look in that bag. I haven't looked yet, but I see the sergeant is about to. Go ahead, Heath. Dump all that stuff on the floor. It's just what I'm doing. Holy mackerel. This package... Is that the money, Vance? Probably. Hey, it is money. Lots of it. Over $4,000, if I'm not mistaken. Vance, any time you say anything from now on, I'll bet you're not mistaken. How would you know it was there? Reasoning, Markham. The theater robbery we suspected was an inside job. In view of what followed, it seemed reasonable to me that the thief hid the money in this dressing room. Why would he do that? My guess is that he was almost caught. There's a night watchman at this theater. Maybe the thief saw him and knew he couldn't explain the package. Miss Danell told me her dressing room was never locked. Everybody in the show must have known that. So the thief, to avoid being seen, ducked into this dressing room. That's right. Hmm. He dropped the money in the laundry bag here, thinking he could pick it up the next day. But he couldn't get in here because Miss Danell was using her dressing room. And yeah, when she wasn't, there was somebody around. Her maid, her fiancé, actors or somebody. So he couldn't get in here to take out the money. He knew the laundry was to be removed tomorrow. And tonight was the last chance he had to get into this dressing room and get back the money he'd stolen. Go ahead, Markham. You're doing fine. Uh, thank you. First, he threatened Miss Danell, But he found that that didn't work because Miss Wheeler was using this room. That's right, Markham. Mm. And when he learned Miss Wheeler intended to use this dressing room tonight, he tried to get in here this afternoon. Only Miss Wheeler caught him. He had to kill her. But he still had no chance to get the money out. Later, he tried to get us out of the room with that fake fire. But that didn't work either. Hmm. Yes, that certainly sounds reasonable, Vance. It's what happened, Markham, I'm sure. 
Let's not say anything about finding this money as a first step. Toward finding the killer? That's right. And Markham, what a big step that's liable to be. I've questioned Jack Aldridge and Mr. Peters, Mr. Hartley, and I didn't want you to think I was slighting you in any way. I know you had talked to them. I overheard you. You did? How? By the exceedingly simple process of putting my ear to the door. I just wanted to see how far Peters would go in indicting me. You see, he and I did not get on very well. So I learned. But still, you direct every show he's connected with. I'm a genius. That's not the way I heard it. Apparently, you have a hold of some kind on Peters. Very definitely. You see, many years ago, Mr. Peters happened to take some money out of a theater safe. The producer caught him. Peters was allowed to put the money back when he swore it was his first offense and would never happen again, so... Nobody was hurt, nor any the wiser. Except you. Oh, I had to know. You see, I was the producer. It's an hour before curtain time, Vance. Aren't you going to the theater to watch Doris Daynell if you decide she is to go on? Probably. And you're going with me, Miss Deering. Well, good. You think I might have time to hop off home and don some gay arraignment? Yes, if you like. I thought I'd... Vance, you've got to come to the theater now. Sit down, Aldridge. Relax. What's the trouble? Doris received another threat. A phone call last night. The murderer insisted she doesn't go on and that there be no performance tonight. No cause for your excitement, Aldridge. No cause for excitement? After what's happening in our theater? I love that girl, Vance, and all this is making a wreck of her. She says she'll go on if you tell her to, but you can't take a chance with her life. I'm sure the murderer intends to strike again. That sounds like a line out of a play. But very well, Aldridge, I'll go. I'm sorry, Ellen. You won't have to bother about changing your dress. I'm going to see a murderer about changing his mind. I'm so glad you're here, Vance. When you're around, I feel much safer. That's hardly a tribute to my romantic appeal, but I like it, Miss Daynell. I'm just taking a little inventory. How many phone calls did you receive? Just one. The one in my room. Oh, Vance, I told Mr. Peters about the call. I had to. I was trying to tell him why I couldn't go on tonight. You're going on, Doris, and you're going to be great. But the man who murdered Betty and who threatened me, Vance, what about him? Him? I know who he is, Miss Dano. He probably thinks he's very clever. I'm going to let him make his second mistake. Second? What was the first? Thinking he was very clever. Sergeant Heath. Right here, Vance. Can't see you very well in the dark, though. Just keep your eyes straight ahead, Heath. There'll be a light showing any minute now. Huh? A light? A match or a flashlight. Match, probably. It doesn't attract as much attention and suits the purpose. You're sure everybody connected with this show thinks we haven't examined the late Miss Wheeler's dressing room? <laughs> sure, I'm sure. I practically announced it to two cops so that everybody could hear. Did a good job. Vance, on the corridor, a light to match. That's what I expected. Do I grab whoever's carrying it? That's right. I'd sure love to know who it is. 
There goes the match in the dressing room, plus the man that's carrying it. Go get him, Heath. And get a look at him yourself. I promise you a great surprise. Ellen, how long will you be getting dressed? Not long. What's the hurry? Won't they hold up the show till we get there? Well, Vance, how do I look? As interesting as an unsolved murder. As soon as I find out if I like that, I'll thank you. (laughs) And speaking of unsolved murders, let's talk about one you solved. The backstage murder case. I understand from Mr. Markham that you had everything in the case all figured as you went along. How'd you know? Trade secret. That's trade secrets. I'll tell you why I like going out with you, and you tell me how you knew the murderer. Deal. You know all about the robbery of the theater safe and its association with the murder of Betty Wheeler? Yes, of course. Your turn. Well, I like going out with you because I never know what you're going to do or say next. Your turn. Uh, Oh, just a second. Seems to me that I understood Doris Daynell got a phone call from the murderer several nights ago, just a few seconds after she'd said goodnight to a fiancé. Now, how could the murderer have been Jack Aldridge? Very easily. He needed only a few seconds to go into his apartment and call Doris to threaten her. Well, I'm waiting, Ellen. Oh, let's see. Uh, I like going out with you because you're so different. Now, another question. How did you know it was Aldridge? Good question. When he came breaking into our office last evening, he seemed terribly distressed about the phone call his fiancée had received. Mm -hmm. He wasn't supposed to know anything about that phone call. Doris didn't tell him. Peters, whom she told, didn't tell him. So? So the only way he could have known about it is if he made the call. So he made it. Now it's my turn to say something nice to you, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, let's see now. Well, is it that difficult? No, I've got it. I like going out with you on account of most of all, I like going out with you. (laughs) (laughs) A little repetitious, but very flattering repetition. (laughs) Well, that's about all there was. Of course, while I knew his identity, I couldn't prove it. So I set the stage for Aldrich to steal back the money he had hidden in Doris Dennell's laundry bag. He tried to, and Sergeant Heath took care of him. I'm glad. That Sergeant Heath took care of Aldrich? That, and the fact that you were right again, and that we're going out, and that you're you, and that I'm me, and most of all, I'm... What? Glad. Yes? That this is the end of the backstage murder case.
Welcome back. Well, the voice for the understudy sounds kind of like Shirley Mitchell. However, Shirley Mitchell had been prominent uh, in radio in Hollywood, not New York, where Philo Vance was recorded. Uh, she had her big uh, performance that she was best known for on The Great Gildersleeve started in 1942. So I think this is probably the actress uh, perhaps creating her own interpretation of that character that uh, Mitchell played. As for the plot and the actions of the murderer, I have the assertion that Philo Vance does not take on clever killers. He takes on killers who think they are clever. In this case, what was needed was access to the dressing room. So death threats to the actress weren't going to do it. And I think it's completely predictable that the understudy would take over the actress's uh, dressing room when she was threatened and decided to comply. What he really needed was either the show canceled for a night or, you know, just basically for no one to go into the dressing room, you know, fake an infestation of rodents. And that will get them to say, you know, let's go ahead and have our stars uh, in another room and we'll get that to service by the exterminator in the morning. So a bit of an odd route that our villain took. Now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Eugene, Patreon supporter since March 2016, currently supporting the program at the Master Detective level of $15 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Eugene. That will do it for today. If you are enjoying this uh, program on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. But we'll be back next week with another episode of Philo Vance. But join us back here tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar, where... Expense account item one, $91.35. Airfare and incidentals between Hartford and Detroit. Item two, $25 even. Legal fees. Before I met Sergeant Pantella, I engaged attorney Robert E. Pearson to arrange for a court order impounding all the records and books in the offices of Hugh Brisbane's small brokerage house. However, I moved an hour too late on that procedure. When I met Sergeant Pantella at the police station, he told me, We'll have to look at them first, Dollar. DA's office got out a court order first thing this morning. Well, I wasn't trying to jump you, Sergeant. I didn't know how far you'd gotten just that we're always anxious to get that information on a case like this so our auditors can get busy. Yeah. It's a $25,000 bond and we'll have to make good on it if Brisbane's run away. We don't know if he's done that, Dollar. No, we don't. What are your ideas on this, Sergeant? Well, I only talked with Mrs. Brisbane briefly. She told us she hadn't been home for two days. That was last night. The family doctor had already been there and given her a sedative. That's why I had to wait until this morning to get some details. I see. I have four men covering Brisbane's office for us right now and the DA's men are there, of course, on the books. I will be glad to give you a copy of their findings, maybe save your people some money. Hmm, almost 11. Now, what do you say? Anytime. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. 
and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.